Hey, we're glad you're with us here online, Summer at Freeway Church. Uh, welcome to our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, we're always available via text or contact us uh, right online. You can find all the information here. So uh, glad you're with us and enjoy the message. Um, have you ever asked the question, what's under the surface? What's under the surface? What's under the surface of this situation? What's under the surface of this relationship? What's under the surface of my life? What's really going on under the surface of that church over there? Like, what's under the surface? Have you ever asked this question before? There's a uh, there's a there's this thing on Disney Plus that if you if you read it, if you watch it, you don't read it. You watch it. Uh, you learn the story of Luisa Madrigal, and she has a problem. And if you ever watch the story, you see that something is happening under the surface of her life. And uh, the story goes on to explain that what's happening under the surface is really affecting her. And if she would just understand the things that are happening on the inside, then she would understand her life so much more. And if you've ever seen the story, what happens is, uh, is, is Louisa really comes to terms with happening, what's happening under the surface by the help of her sister. And her sister's kind of the main character in the story, and her sister's charged with keeping everybody together. And turns out, she goes to each person and finds out that there's something under the surface. And so to explain this point, or to illustrate this point further, I've asked Miss Alyssa Lucier to sing this song, uh, Surface, what is it called, hon? Surface Pressure by Encanto by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Would you play it for us today? The words will be on the screen for all of you. Feel free to sing along. I'm the strong one. I'm not nervous. I'm as tough as the crust of the earth is. I'm in mountains, I'm in churches, and I glow because I know what my worth is. I don't ask how hard the work is. Got a rough, indestructible surface. Diamonds and platinum, I find them, I flatten them. I take what I'm handed, I break what's demanded. But under the surface, I feel berserk as a tightrope walker in a three-ring circus. Under the surface, was Hercules ever like, yo, I don't want to fight Cerberus under the surface? I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can be a service. A flaw or a crack, the straw in the stack that breaks the camel's back. What breaks the camel's back? It's pressure like a drip, drip, drip that'll never stop. Whoa. Pressure like a tip, tip, tip till you just go pop. Whoa. things that we can't shoulder. Who am I if I can't run with the bowl? If I fall to pressure like a grip, 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 and it won't let go. Whoa. Pressure like a tick, tick, tick till it's ready to blow. Whoa. Give it to your sister. Your sister's stronger. See if she can hang on a little longer. Who am I if I can't carry it all? If I falter under the surface, I have my nerves and it worsens. I worry something's gonna hurt us under the surface. The ship doesn't swerve as I heard how big the iceberg is under the surface. I think about my purpose. Can I somehow preserve this? Line up the dominoes, a light wind blows. You try to stop it, tell me, but on and on it goes. But This crushing weight of expectations. 
some room up for joy or relaxation or simple pleasure. Instead, we measure this growing pressure. Whoa, pressure that'll tip, tip, tip till you just go pop. Whoa, give it to your sister, it doesn't hurt, and see if she can handle every family burden. Watch as she buckles and bends, but never breaks. No mistakes, just pressure like a grip, 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 and it won't let go. Whoa, pressure that'll tick, tick, tick till it's ready to blow. Whoa, Pressure would have pulled you under. Who am I if I don't have what it takes? No cracks, no breaks, no mistakes, just pressure. Yeah! We do this every week, babe. New, new and cancel song every week. Um, thank you so much for doing that. Uh, here, hey, welcome to summer at Freeway Church. We're trying to incorporate some fun elements and some things to capture summer here. Each week we'll do something special. And so we had popcorn, and last week we had inflatables, and then today we have um, pressure. Um, pressure. Um, Louisa Madrigal, she sings this song, right? And, and Lynn Mel, Men, Manuel Miranda he writes this. Under the surface, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. Have you ever wondered of the things inside of your life that really affect how you act? And, as, and what's interesting about a surface is that if you actually can't see fully what's underneath, which is a problem for some of us because we don't know why we act the way we do sometimes. Or something happens and we're thinking to ourselves, where did that come from, right? Because something's happening under the surface. And man, if we only had a magical family that could help us through all that, like in the movie, we don't. But what we do have is God, and we have some sort of understanding that the Bible explains that there are lots of things under the surface of our lives. Not only of our lives, but the things like the church and our families and all this stuff. There's this other world even that affects us, and we're talking about that today. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is one of the greatest uh, sections of scripture. It's the great commission. And it says this right here. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of, in the, name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Lord, thank you so much for your scripture today and so much for your word. Lord, I ask that we understand what's really going on under the surface of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Man, what does it mean to be a disciple? A disciple, someone who follows Jesus. And a lot of times we read this great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize, right? We're, we're saying, what does that mean, make disciples? We don't use the word disciple anymore, but back in the day, a disciple was someone who would follow Jesus. He had 
12, right? He had 12 disciples. One of them was a bad egg. So, you know, what is that? I don't know what the math there is, but he's a percentage of 12 disciples. And these people followed Jesus everywhere they went, everywhere he went, right? The disciple was not just someone who did what Jesus did, but also walked with him and lived life with him. And we are called to be the same type of disciples, even though Jesus is invisible and we can't see him but we still have to follow him. So what does that mean and how does that work in our life? You see, uh, there is this book that we did a small group with a little bit ago called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And it challenges us to understand that discipleship is much more than what we do, but it's all this stuff that happens under the surface of our lives. You see, I think we have a misunderstanding in our culture when it comes to discipleship. The misunderstanding is this. What I do for Jesus determines if I'm his disciple. What I do for Jesus determines if I'm his disciple. Unfortunately, that is a misunderstanding because the truth of the matter is who you are determines if you are his disciple. Who you are determines if you are his disciple. And that's interesting and much more difficult because who you are, man, that's a lot of stuff that's going on under the surface. If we could just point out the things that are above the surface, like, oh, are you a nice person? Or, oh, are you loving others? We could just say you're a disciple and you're not. But the problem is, if we're to judge ourselves, if we are a disciple, it has more to do with who we are than what we do. And if we really want to be a disciple of Jesus... We have to learn the whole part of following God. This is a quote from Pete Cesaro in his book. It says, an emotionally healthy disciple slows down to be with Jesus, goes beneath the surface of their life to be deeply transformed by Jesus and offers their life as a gift to the world for Jesus. So this idea of a disciple is a lot less um, industrialized packaging and a lot more person-on-person -person understanding. You see, in the church and in America today, it's easy if you want to do something to follow the steps of, of follow, like package everything. First do this, then do this, then you're like this. Done. We're done, we, right? That's how we approach everything in life. Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to start a business? Do you want to get an education? First do this, then do this, and boom, you're done, right? That's our culture. The problem of that, of course, is that when it comes to discipleship, it is an invitation to walk with Jesus, not an invitation to go through a systematic process. Each one of you is different, and each one of you have different issues that you've dealt with in your life. You have a different family. You have a different growing up circumstance. You have a different circumstance that you deal with every day. So how could we systematize faith in Jesus for every single person the same? You can't. You're all created different. I mean, in the story of Encanto, right, Louisa, she, her sister helps her, right? She, Mirabelle, it's her sister. She, and what she does is she sees and understands that, hey, Louisa, you're looking at your life totally different than you ought to be because under the surface, you think that everyone is, is waiting and depending on you. And once Louisa understands that something under the surface 
is affecting the way she lives, she can then move forward. The problem, of course, happens for all of us is that we ignore and displace and cover up all the things that affect us that's under the surface. Um, this, there's this idea that I love about this book, Emotional Healthy Discipleship, and the idea he comes after, and I think what we struggle with in the church today is doing versus being. And he says, we lead out of who we are more than what we say or do. We lead out of who we are more than what we say or do. In a world where people are listening to what you have to say, the Bible and Jesus asks us not to worry about what you say, but who you are. Of course, what you say matters, but people don't follow what you say. They follow who you are. And so if you like to be a disciple or even a leader or understand that there's influence in your life, you need to understand that you're going to reproduce who you are. So ask yourself, am I, am I worth reproducing into someone else's life, right? Or do I just want people to follow what I say or, or, or what I post, right? And this is the problem that we find ourselves in so many times. We need a sister. We need someone to come along us in our life and to say, hey, hey, look, Alyssa, this is what's under the surface. Iris, this is what's under the surface, right? This is what's under the surface of your life so that you can then grow and move forward. We need to understand that we have to have an emotional discipleship, a holistic view of God. So my first point is emotional discipleship. Who you are determines if you are his disciple. Well, my second point today is about the harvest. In Matthew 9, 35 through 37, the Bible says this. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Someone say compassion. Compassion. compassion, yeah. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord, to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Man, I don't know about you, but if you're ever online, I don't know, in a week like this week, you can imagine the world is kind of a crazy place, right? The world is a crazy place. And you watch and you see people say certain things. And a lot of times we see the world and we think to ourselves and pray, God, please fix this. <laughs> God, would you fix this? This is crazy sauce. This is chaos. This is nuts. I need you to fix it. Like the people around me are nuts. Like I don't even know if I can trust anyone anymore. I don't know what any, right? You end up going down these kind of thinking ways of thinking that the world is definitely not ripe for the harvest. The world has a lot of growing up to do, right? And I think a lot of times we say this as Christians, we look in the world and say, God, would you please grow and draw people to you? Would you please grow and draw? How many of you ever prayed that, right? Would you grow and draw people to you? Of course, this is a misunderstanding of Scripture. You see, let me explain something to all of us today because I think, we, I think even me, we need to recognize that sometimes when we view the world, our friends or our Facebook people or our coworkers or our family, we view the world like a giant field full of plants that need to grow. 
Like, God, would you grow these people into maturity? God, these people, they need to know you. You need to grow them, right? And we view the world like a giant field of plants that aren't ripe for the harvest. The problem, of course, is that the Bible explains that the fields are ripe for the harvest. So why is it that we look to the world and ask ourselves, ask, say, hey, world, get better. <laughs> you know, it's almost like a judgmental view. Like, hey, would you get better? World, grow up. World, your, your morality is messy. Like, get, get, clean yourself up, right? We have this view sometimes, and it's completely wrong. Completely wrong. Because even though the world is immoral, and you might be more moral than your neighbor, but that, it doesn't really matter. Jesus' point is that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The workers are few. So the truth is God, is the prayer like this. God, would you raise up leaders and workers to work the harvest? God, would you raise up leaders and workers to work the harvest? Not, God, would you just fix everything? Or, God, would you just uh, till the land a little bit? These people, they're crazy. Like, no, it's the workers. We pray for workers. Listen to me. The goal of our church and the goal of every church should be not to grow our attendance on Sundays. That's not why we're here. We're not here to have a crowd. Even though that would be fun and we could sing and cancel songs every week, it would not actually be the goal of church. The goal of church is to become the body of Christ, to be something that's alive and active, that you would trust and develop your relationships with one another, that trust would show the glory of God to this earth, would produce all of this stuff to make the world a better place, and would help people be freed from the life that they're stuck in, the life of the groove of life that they feel like they can never get out of, or the change that bond of people that we would be chain breakers, that this place would be a place where people would find freedom and wholeness in Christ. Peace that surpasses all understanding, right? This is the goal of the church, to be the body of Christ, to be Jesus. You know, a lot of times as a pastor, I might feel like it's, I'm a worker in the harvest field, right? Like, like, I, like I'm, my job is ministry. That's what I'm supposed to do, right? I'm called and appointed for such a time as this to lead Freeway Church, you know, all that stuff. And a lot of times we can see verses like this and ask God, God, would you like, just make Roy better, you know? Just make, Roy needs to be better. Make the pastor better. God, you know what? God, send, make Alyssa better. She needs to be a little better. Would you just make, like, a lot of times we see, but that's not what the verse is saying. It's not, go get a better pastor, Go get more pastors. That's not what the, the verse is talking about. The verse is talking about workers in the harvest field. And biblically speaking, you are the workers. You are the workers. And it's my job, as in Ephesians explains, it's my job to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. What does that mean? That I'm supposed to be the equipper. Now, I could become a better equipper, praise God. Like, yeah, you pray for me for that. That sounds great. But it's your job to work the harvest field. It's your job to go into the fields. It's your job to see the wheat that's tall and the corn that's grown. It's all there. It's ready. It's your job to reap the harvest and bring it in. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So if you are to pray under the surface of how church works, pray that God would create workers amongst us. That's the goal. That's how we bring people into relationship with God. 
We don't just pray that God would do it for us. It's God's most like wanted thing, the thing that God wants most, right? He wants people to know him, the people he created. He wants to know them. Of course, he would just do it if he could do it. The problem is he's partnering with us to do it. So you have a role. You can even ask yourself, these some things won't even happen if you don't step out to do those things. Of course, I, we can go on, on and on about this, but I want to focus on one thing. What is one thing that we, how can we become better workers? How can we become better workers in the, in the fields of our Father? How could we do that? Well, it's, it's hidden in this verse. Um, look at it, and I had you say it, the word compassion. Jesus had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus viewed people and had compassion on them. Jesus viewed you and had compassion on you. And that word compassion really means an inward movement to be moved to compassion. The word actually has to do with organs in your body. Like it's almost like this deep feeling of compassion. When was the last time you were moved to compassion on the inside for the people around you, for your friends at school or your coworker? or your crazy neighbor who keeps cutting their lawn at the wrong time, right? Like, when is the last time you had compassion on them to be moved deeply towards someone else? This is the key to loving other people and to, and to working in those harvest fields. Look at this, this same word, to be deeply moved, is the same word that Jesus, when he saw a crowd of 4,000 men, and there were probably women and children, so 10,000 people, he saw them and he was moved to compassion. And when he was moved to compassion, do you know what happened? A miracle broke out. The, he fed all the people. There's a story of feeding 4,000 people. There's a story of feeding 5,000 people. What happened before the feeding? He was moved to compassion. It's the same word in Mark 9, 22. A father goes to Jesus and he asks Jesus, he says, Jesus, would you be moved to compassion? Jesus, would you be moved on the inside? Because his son, the father's son, was possessed by a demon. And the demon was making him do crazy things and talk strange. And Jesus uh, is 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 prodded by this man. Hey, be moved by compassion. And so Jesus is. And he says, all things are possible for those who believe. And if you read this story, the father's upset, this father of this boy, because the disciples couldn't cast the demon out. But Jesus, after being moved to compassion and saying all, all is possible for those who believe, heals and casts this demon out of the boy. He says, this, this, this kind can only come out through prayer. So we know compassion and prayer are together. It's the same word in Luke 17, 11, 7, 11 to 17. A boy dies. Listen to me. A boy dies, and he's being carried out of the city in a coffin. That's the story. Jesus is there. Jesus was inwardly moved to compassion because of the mother. He, listen to what Jesus does. He touches the coffin, and the boy is raised from the dead. The boy is raised from the dead. These are three circumstances where Jesus is going into the harvest fields of the world and helping people. 
He's moved to compassion to go work those harvest fields. Someone is uh, being raised from the dead. Someone is, a demon is casting out of them. A, mir a miracle of loaves and fishes are happening. People are getting fed all over the place. Why? Because the miracle of God is moving through, the, through them. But what comes before the miracle? Compassion. To be moved inwardly towards compassion. And we, and we see these things in the, in the Bible but a lot of times, they don't, ever they don't ever get inside of us, right? This is an under-the-surface situation. If you never look inside of your heart, what's going on with your motives and what's happening under the surface, you'll never actually see that maybe you don't have compassion. Or maybe your compassion is long gone that one time or that one place, but it has dwindled and died like a coal that has burnt out. But compassion is the necessary part of loving and doing ministry in this world. And we pray that God would be the Lord of the harvest and that people would become workers in this harvest field. But one of the ways we do that is by becoming more compassionate. When was the last time you were moved to tears? When was the last time you inwardly felt pain because of someone else? A lot of times, we're just frustrated with everyone, right? Like your, your coworker that is always fronting about something. Do you know that you can look past the things that your coworker puts on the walls and the t-shirts and the crazy things they wear? You can look past all of that into their eyes and you can see the pain that they go through. You can look past it all. You have the ability. The problem is we don't do it. You can, be, you can look past it all and be filled with compassion towards the people around you. So the great challenge today, of course, is that we might be filled with compassion. What's going on under the surface of the people around you? What's going on under the surface of your own heart? Have you grown cold and callous? We're going to end in just a little bit. The band, Alyssa, you can come up, and the band can come up in a little bit after that. I'm going to have you sing a couple more Encanto songs, and then, and then we'll be done. Yeah. 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 The kids say yes. I don't know if you heard that. We don't talk about Bruno. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Ephesians uh, 6, uh, 10 through 12, as one of the, my, like, my favorite, and I say this all the time, so you've heard me say it, one of the most important under-the-surface moments in the Bible. Uh, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, this under the surface, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I can preach this like every week because it's so important that we recognize that something's happening under the surface. I lived in Boston for five years and I loved living in Boston. And you know, growing up in Michigan, uh, I was told that the Great Lakes are like oceans. They're like oceans. There's like you, there's a there's a horizon. And growing up in the Great Lakes, like I was just like, these are like these are the same as oceans, there's just no salt. Like it's it's the best. We have the best place. Uh, but then I lived near the ocean. I lived a mile from the ocean. Then I started swimming in the ocean all the time. And there's a few key differences. But one of the key differences is there's a lot going on under the surface. 
And so I decided that because I was a swimmer and that I just love swimming, that I should develop a hobby to go snorkeling. Snorkeling. How many of you have been snorkeling before? You've been snorkeling? Yes. Snorkeling. And here's my, here's my snorkel. Uh, it's black. Let me see if I can put it on here. This is my snorkel, right? And so I put the snorkel on and I go swimming in the ocean. And I love swimming. I thought this would be the best. I swam in Great Lakes my whole life. And so I get in there and in some days it's pretty uh, murky, you know? It's like I can't see much from my hand in front of me. But then other days, there's some crazy stuff. There's tons of crabs everywhere. And all of a sudden, me, Great Lakes swimmer, lifeguard Roy, I see all these crabs, and I start flipping out. I'm like, what is going on? And I, like, I like irrationally get scared of all the things I see. There are fish everywhere, and here I am, like, swimming, and, like, I can't swim because I'm scared of all the things that I can suddenly see. They were there the whole time, right? But I couldn't see them until I put the snorkel on. Don't you think that snorkel should be one of the armor of God? You know, you got the shield of faith. Yeah, the snorkel of salvation. What is it? Oh. But I wonder if we need to remember that there are some lenses that we can put on, right? To see past the things of this world. To actually go deep in our life and see what's going on under the surface. The question is, what's under the surface of your life? Are there areas of your life that you're ignoring, that you know that they're there, like a room that's been closed that you won't open the door anymore? What's under the surface? Has been God been calling you to things and you just continually say, no, that's not you, God. What's going on under the surface? Are there situations and moments where actions that you continually find yourself in and saying, why am I in this moment? I thought I was done with this. Why can't I destroy this sin? Why is this sin controlling my life? What's really under the surface? And I wonder if days like today, we can actually address those things. Put the snorkel, the, the spiritual snorkel on and say, God, I'm willing to do the work. I'm willing to look underneath. I'm willing to see what can I do to actually change? If you guys could stand with me and band, you guys can come up. We're going to end here. And I'm just so thankful for a Freeway Church and all that um, you guys do and all the things you guys are. It's so great. Thank you for being such a great place. And thank you for joining us online. But can we take a moment right now to uh, pray, to, to put the snorkel on, to confront the things in our life, what's going on in our life. So I want to encourage you, the band's going to play this song. And during this song, if you'd like to pray at your seats, you can. If you'd like to come up to the front and kind of meet with God and have a moment with God, you can as well. But then during this time, would you talk to God about the thing that he's talking to you about? And then afterwards, uh, we'll be done. So could you take a moment now and let's pray together.